Hello and welcome to This Shit Really Happened, the true crime podcast where we deep dive into the most disturbing, depraved, and downright gruesome true crimes in history. My name is Emily and I'm your host. And today I'm not by myself. I have a guest. Somebody that I finally conned and convinced to do this podcast with me. Guest, please introduce yourself. Um, my name is Autumn. I'm Emily's best friend and she actually kidnapped me and... <laughs> It's holding me hostage. No, stop, because they're really going to think that I did kidnap you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I swear to God, you are here by your own free will. Don't make it sound like I forced you to do this. <laughs> Even though I said I was going to pick, like, the most fucked up thing to tell you. And let me tell you, this one's wild. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. So, I don't think I told you anything about this one, right? Because you're like... Don't, don't tell me anything. I just want to be surprised. To one night. I know, because I was like, I was wondering, I'm like, are you actually gonna come over and are we actually mm-hmm. gonna get to do this? Or am I just gonna tell you're you? Like, about- you're gonna come over and we're gonna do a podcast. <laughs> about- and then you're like, it's about. Well, I'm, like- <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to I don't want you going in completely blind because like this podcast is called This Shit Really Happened, man. Because well, I'm up for the surprises. And you know, I like that shit. So <laughs> <laughs> I be liking that shit. That murder shit gave me the good stuff. <laughs> we'll just like laugh into the trauma of this case because like there's a lot of shit going on in this one and you think at a certain point it's like as bad as it's gonna get and then it gets worse well we laugh at that trauma just like we laugh at our own so. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes the only thing you can do is just laugh at the trauma so you don't cry i can't afford therapy so i'm just gonna laugh <laughs> I'm just gonna laugh my way through it because therapy is expensive. Yeah, it is. And I can't afford it. So I'm just gonna stay mentally ill and just laugh my way through life. And that's what this is for. And that's what this is for. <laughs> All right. Well, the case I have for you today is the case of the Chicago Ripper Crew. So, a Ripper Crew. Ripper Crew. Nice. Digest that for a minute. Nice. So, this case takes place in Chicago, as the name would suggest. Not like in Chicago. I think a lot of suburbs like in and around the area of Chicago, but, you know, closest to a big city, so they're just going to call them the Chicago Ripper Crew. Um, general trigger warnings for this episode. There are a lot of them. What did I say? Kidnapping, murder, rape, torture. No. Necrophilia, <laughs> general sexual deviancy, um, and a little bit of cannibalism thrown in there. Because who doesn't like a little bit of cannibalism thrown in there? Okay. Armin Meves, the Romberg cannibal. I'm looking at you. That was the guy <laughs> who ate the guy who wanted to be eaten. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was what episode two of this podcast I think that I covered that case. Real fun, real fun. All right. Well, we're just gonna go ahead and jump in because I got a lot of notes and a lot of stuff to get through. So let's dive in. Okay. Um. So first and foremost. Who the hell was the Chicago Ripper crew? So it was made up of four people. So we have Robin Gecht, Edward Spritzer, and Andrew and Thomas Cocorales, their brothers. Um, they were collectively known as the Chicago Ripper crew, and they were a pack of American ephebophilic. If you don't know what that is, it is defined as having primary attraction to late or post-adolescents or children who have gone through puberty and have advanced signs of adult sexual maturation. So that's generally teenager between 15 and 19 years old. Um, though you find that most of their victims are older than that age. So I don't really know why they're defined as that, but that's what my sources were saying. So that's what I'm going with it. Um, 
Anyways, this were a pack of American ephebophilic, necrophilic, and cannibalistic serial killers and rapists who murdered estimated between 16 and 18 women from May 23rd, 1981 to October 6th, 1982. So like a year and a half spree, estimated 16 to 18 women murdered. I'm not going to talk about all of those because they're like not all confirmed, mm -hmm. but I'm just going to talk about like the main cases that were confessed to and bodies were actually found, things of that nature. So not a whole lot is known about these people like prior to them being in the Ripper crew. But on um, Robin Gecht, he was born November 30th, 1953 in Menard, Illinois. Andrew Cocorales was born July 23rd, 1963 in Villa Park, Illinois. Um, his older, yeah, older brother Thomas Cocorales, he was July 10th, 1961, also in Villa Park. And Edward Spritzer was January 5th, 1961 in Chicago. Um, like I said, not a ton was known about them, but like fun fact about Robin Gecht, he worked for um, a contracting company called PDM Contractors. Do you know who John Wayne Gacy is? No. Oh, come on. <laughs> you don't know who John Wayne no. Gacy is? Fuck. So my like fun fact that I thought was going to blow your mind is like, I don't even know who John Wayne Gacy is. Mm -hmm. um, Do you want me to go back and say yes? No. <laughs> Should we backtrack? No, I'll just tell you. John Wayne Gacy was another serial killer. Mm -hmm. He was known for targeting teenage boys. Great. So he murdered... I don't even know, like over a dozen mm -hmm. teenage boys, young men, and he buried them in the crawl space of his house and also like in his backyard. And the really wild thing that like everybody seems to know or like recognize about John Wayne Gacy was um, his clown persona. Uh. He part-timed <clears throat> working as a clown at children's birthday parties while he was also kidnapping, raping, and murdering teenage boys. And this is why we don't fuck with clowns. And this is why we don't fuck with clowns. Right? Like, oh, I should show you a picture of his clown makeup after this. So, like, right now. Because it was fucking scary, dude. Like, clowns? I don't fuck with clowns. But, like, his clown makeup was scary. Like, he was, I feel like, purposely trying to look scary as hell. Do you remember like, that little spew? If oh you saw that as a child... I would, I would be terrified. Them. I'm oh, already, right. like, scared of clowns, but that one would be like, hell no. Do you remember that little span of time when people were dressing up as clowns? And, like, oh, my God. Literally, yeah. Like, what was that? Like, 20... I think it was, like, when we were in college. Was it? Maybe, like, 2018? Or 2016? 2016? Maybe? I'm Somewhere so far out of college now that I, like, same. barely... I'm pretty Ooh, sure we were in college. <laughs> <laughs> we're almost at a 10 I'm so maybe. far out of college that I barely um, remember it. Yeah, that was wild. People were just, like, running around as clowns. Yeah, that's not not some shit that I was fucking with. Like, no. I'm like, uh -uh. y'all better not. Y'all better <laughs> not. If I see a clown outside my house, I'm running out there with a knife and I'm swinging. I will find the biggest knife. <laughs> and I will get throw hurt. it right at your head. I don't give a you will get hurt. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, John Wayne Gacy was another, like, really prolific serial killer from Illinois. Mm -hmm. So it was just like, what are the chances that this dude, Robin Gecht, who was also a sadistic serial killer, was just working at the same contracting mm -hmm. company as John Wayne Gacy? <laughs> oh, shit. I was like, I was kind of thinking, I'm like, why didn't they ever, like, murder together? But then the more I thought about it, Maybe I was like, because Robin Gecht's, Victim pool was all women, mm. and John Wayne Gacy targeted boys. But maybe they did. Because maybe there was some unsolved ones where they would 
they would get the moms and he would get the boys. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Some unsolved murders, you know? Who knows, man? Yeah, I thought it was just because Robin Gecht, as we'll find out, he had, a, like, a specific preference for, like, a specific body part that's typically considered to be of the female nature. <laughs> so, Gacy was all about boys, and you'll find out Robin Gecht had some fucked up fetishes when it came to women, which was <clears throat> the whole kind of Great. reason behind his doing. Um... Robin Gecht, as a teenager, had already also been accused of molesting his younger sister. Um, don't know if anything ever came of that, but it was just kind of on the on the source and like the what we know about about Robin Gecht's source, which is not a lot. Just that he was a, a working with another serial killer and b a pervert from the time he was like I don't know thirteen, and also incest, apparently. Oh yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> yep, that's that's true. <laughs> All right, real Alabama, <laughs> real Alabama. Sorry if anybody listening. Is from Alabama. <laughs> All right, okay. So I'm not going to focus anything on their backgrounds really, because obviously I said we don't have a lot of information. So I'm just going to go and I'm going to start talking about exactly what their crimes were, because that's what Great. we're here for. Great. So. Uh, as I mentioned before, the Ripper Cruise crime spree spanned from May 23rd, 1981 to October 6, 1982. Um, they're estimated to have murdered between 16 and 18 women and possibly attempted the murders of three to four more. Um, so we're going to go back to the first known murder of the Ripper Crew, which was May 23rd, 1981. So this is when the crew abducted their first known victim. Um, she was a sex worker named Linda Sutton. And her body was found 10 days after her abduction, after police responded to a call about a bad smell that was coming from um, a motel. It was called the Rip Van Winkle Motel in Chicago. How ironic. Yeah, right? I know that's exactly what I was thinking, too. The irony of the Ripper crew victim being found at the Rip Van Winkle Motel. It's the not very first one. Right, the very first. It's actually like the Rip Van Winkle Motel is going to come back here, so it's it's kind of a trend with, with these guys. But... Right. Um, the workers at the motel, the motel was kind of surrounded by a lot of forest. So they initially thought that the smell was coming from a dead deer. So um, they eventually did end up calling the police. And when the police came and started searching around the motel, because um, they knew Linda Sutton was missing, they that's when they found her body in a field behind the motel. So when they found her body, she had been handcuffed with her hands behind her back. She was stabbed, her body was mutilated, and her left breast was cut off. Um, it had been cut down, like, completely down to the chest wall. So, like, fully removed. Nothing left of it. Um, her sweater that she had on was torn. She wasn't wearing pants. Her underwear had been intentionally pulled down to her knees. And strangely, $17 was found tucked into her sock. Okay. Um, her body showed signs of having been raped repeatedly. And when her body was found, the medical examiner declared she had been dead for only three days. So at this point, remember, she was missing. Um, they found her body 10 days after she was abducted. Mm-hmm. So whoever had taken her had kept her alive for, yeah, for like a week, being basically raped and tortured for a week. Great. Um, and because of her body's condition, the police actually had to um, identify her through her fingerprint and her dental records. Poor girl. Um, there was a lot of efforts to try to identify 
who had done this to her, but not a ton of leads, and the mm-hmm. case actually ended up going cold. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was about a year before the next victim. They're just like, mm, we're just trying this out. Right. <laughs> right. We're just, we're just going to try it out. We're going to see how it goes. Yeah. So We're going to keep this one. That's why she was a sex worker, because they're easier to get. Exactly. Yeah. So that's kind of like a trend that you see often with, um, like, serial killers like mm-hmm. this. I heard once that, um, I forget who it was, but somebody, like, very prolific said that they targeted um, sex workers and, like, homeless people because they consider them to be less dead. Mm-hmm. So, basically meaning, like, they're less human, so no one's going to be looking for them, Mm. so it doesn't matter if I kill them, because they have no family, no friends who are going to miss them, so that's, like, a huge, (laughs) yeah, that's a huge thing when it comes to, like, serial killers who target Mm. sex workers and homeless people, it's because Mm. of that thought that, like, no one's going to miss them. Mm. So it's going to be harder to catch them. Exactly, yeah, and, I mean, it it does happen a lot of times where Mm. police just kind of shrug a Mm. murder off or, like, a kidnapping off because they're like, oh, they live a dangerous life, so Mm -hmm. we're not going to bother looking for them. Mm -hmm. You know, who knows? They ran away. Exactly. Like, they ran away, or they probably, like, OD'd somewhere, or, like, Mm -hmm. one of their Johns killed them or something like that, so they just don't give a fuck about, Mm -hmm. like, homeless people, sex workers, which is really fucked up, Mm because who knows how many, like, murders and, like, serial killers wouldn't be caught (laughs) earlier if the police gave a fuck about literally the murders of sex workers and homeless people but yeah, I could rant about that for like <laughs> ever <Forever. laughs> I got a lot of notes to get through <laughs> so all right so a year later on May 15th 1982 is when the Ripper crew abducted their next victim so this victim was Lorraine Borowski she worked at a realtor's office and she was kidnapped by the Ripper crew in the process of walking into work in the morning um, there was an interview with um, A&E Crime where they interviewed Lorraine's childhood friend, um, Liz Soriano, I think is how you pronounce her last name. Um, she described Lorraine as an effervescent 21-year-old who loved her job as a secretary at a real estate office in the Chicago suburbs. So according to this childhood friend, she was a real cool lady. She <laughs> loved her job. She was super nice. Um, everybody around her loved her. Um, her workplace was actually just a short distance from her apartment. And it was on the morning of the 15th. She was approaching the office. She was going to be the first one there. She was going to open everything. As she was walking up to the office, um, she was grabbed, dragged into a van, and the van sped off. Great. She was actually grabbed so quickly and so forcefully that her shoes were kicked off. (laughs) So, at the, like, I hate I to can, laugh at that. I can, like, see it in, like, like, cartoon form. I know, when, right? Like, when, it's, like, the thing gets smacked by, like, a train. Yeah, the shoes are just left. They're, like, it's so terrible to think about that, that she was literally grabbed so hard that she just flew out of her shoes. Ugh. And, like, the they're key, not shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, the keys to the realtor office were already on, also on the sidewalk, so... Uh, it clearly showed that she'd struggled mm-hmm. a little bit before she was taken because, you know, she's fighting. She honestly mm-hmm. probably kicked off her shoes when she was trying to fight whoever mm-hmm. was grabbing her. So shoes were left at the scene and the keys to the um, realtor's office were also left at the at the scene. Mm-hmm. So we later find out that the uh, people who took her, the Ripper crew, they drove her to that Rip Van Winkle motel. Um, they then proceeded to as they do, rape and kill her. Um, Her body was discovered five months later after she was abducted in a cemetery in Clarendon Hills outside of Chicago. 
Are we feeling a little bit more... What's the word? What's the word? What is that? What is we're that? talking about. The Ripper crew? <laughs> yeah. Are you feeling a little bit more... More merciful? <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't even think about, like, yeah. the context of, of dumping her in a cemetery. They're like, mm, sorry. <laughs> sorry like, we killed too, you. Too we fucking to late for that, buddy. <laughs> like, maybe don't murder her in the first place. Yeah. And then you don't have anything to be apologetic for. Did <laughs> you think about that, maybe? Maybe a little. <laughs> um, but one of the lead detectives on the case, his name was Detective John Milner... He was um, a police detective. He was also a certified um, criminal, like, investigative <laughs> hypnotist. So okay. um, what he did was he actually, like, tried to hypnotize several people who had um, been in the area at the time of Lori's disappearance. Mm-hmm. One of them did recall seeing a red van at the parking lot of, mm-hmm. of where Lori worked. Mm-hmm. It didn't end up turning up anything. Mm-hmm. In that case, the red van will come back. But in, in this case, it, it kind of led them nowhere because they just had red van, but no other, like, identifying characteristics of this mm-hmm. red van. So they also had no important leads. Lori's case also ends up going cold. The next victim that's abducted is Shwai Mock. This was um, May 29th, 1982. So just a couple days later, because they mm-hmm. took Lori on May 15th, mm-hmm. and they um, abduct Shwai on May 29th. So, she was 30 years old. She was from Hanover Park, which was a village northwest of Villa Park, which, if you remember the introduction, Villa Park is where two of these motherfuckers was born, mm-hmm. so they're familiar with the area. Um, she had actually gotten in an argument with her brother on their way home from the restaurant that their family owned, and he kicked her out of the car and uh, made her walk home. He probably feels like shit. I know. Could you imagine that? Uh, like you think you're my heart. I know. I can't imagine how guilty he must feel. Like obviously he didn't think that that was ever gonna happen. Right. But like, could you imagine kicking your sibling out of the car because you had like a stupid fight and then this happens to them? This is why I'm a fucking paranoid. Because you (laughs) never fucking know. Exactly. You literally never know. So, um, it is believed that she was abducted shortly after her brother had kicked her out of the car. Um. She just basically vanished after May 29th. That was the last time her brother was the last person to see her alive. Um, Her body turned up in a suburban construction site four months after she was abducted. Um, A pathologist named Dr. (laughs) Yupil Choi did the autopsy on her, and he found that she had multiple skull fractures. Um, She had multiple rib fractures, a broken right forearm, and blunt trauma to the head. So her cause of death was... Basically, she was beaten to death and, and left for dead. Great. Um, so after they did kill Schweimach, the Ripper crew struck again. <clears throat> so this person, and a lot of sources, was just identified as H.C. But I found I found a name. I'm not sure if this is this person, but I also saw the name Angel York mm-hmm. in, a lot of the, in one of the sources. And so I'm kind of like putting two and two together because, um, surprise, surprise, she survives. Oh. She she gets away from these people. So, um, in her case, so she was also abducted by the Ripper crew in mm. in their red van. They <laughs> handcuffed her while she was in the van. Um, they took a knife and again comes back around. They cut her breast. They didn't like cut it off, mm. but they did slice cut her. her. Yeah, they did slice her. 
So after she was thrown into the van, um, she was forced to remove her clothing. Her hands were cuffed, and she was forced to perform oral sex on one of her captors. So not shit. Nasty. Um, after raping her, her captors then forced her to take a pair of pantyhose and wrap her breast with it, the left one, um, and then made her stab herself in the breast with a knife while they held a gun against her head and forced her to do it. So, um, this imagine <laughs> being so fucked up in the head that you're like, yes, I want you to stab yourself in your boob and I want to watch. No, it's going to get worse. <laughs> imagine <laughs> that though. Like that's in your brain. You're like, yes, that's what I want to see. Yeah. These guys were fucked. What? They were fucked. I'd be like, bro, are you, uh, do you need therapy? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. They needed, um, prison and, uh, and death. <laughs> I'd be that annoying one that'd be like, do you want to talk about it? <laughs> <laughs> While your tit is being wrapped in pantyhose. Like, are you okay? Do you want to talk Are you talk sure about you want to do this? Maybe See, this is why talk. nobody's got to worry about me getting kidnapped because I would just <laughs> annoy the fuck out of them and they would just let me go. <laughs> or they just fucking kill you to shut you up. Or it's one of those two we're going to think of the more positive option and that they would just drop me back off. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're too much fucking work. Get the fuck out. <laughs> Get out. Um, as I said, it gets worse. So after forcing her to cut herself, one of her captors then further horrifically violated her by proceeding to have sex with the stab wound in her chest. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, I'm gonna let you process that one. <laughs> so he's stuck his dick in her boob hole. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't mean to laugh, but like no, no, because it's like how do you how do you process that? How is like a normal human being? Do you process somebody ever having the urge or the want to do to that? do that? like you have to laugh about because it just doesn't make any fucking sense like what made you even think of that i can't you can't y'all can't see me but my hands be flailing (laughs) i don't know i don't know i hope they were executed (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna talk about it um but yeah so this specific, like, not just the mutilation of the breast, but the having sex with the wound, mm-hmm. that would become, like, a staple of what they mm-hmm. did to their victim. So yeah. that's that's going to come back. We're coming full circle on that one. Full circle for the sickos. Um, and for any of you motherfuckers out there that like to do that, you're fucking fucked up. <laughs> I hope none of you are listening to this podcast. Get fucked. Get help. <laughs> Go see a fucking therapist. Go see a fucking therapist. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so so that would be that would be something that that would come to happen to a lot of the victims of the Ripper crew. Um, it was specifically found later that um, so this woman she was she was different in the fact obviously she survived a <clears throat> and b they had just cut the breast mm-hmm. typically it would come off mm-hmm. um, and the way they would remove it was with a, a piano wire. Oh, so they would take the wire and then just loop it around and just pull it mm-hmm. until. It came off. The boob came off. Um, and then they would have sex with the wound. So, That's fucking um, gross. They proceeded to rape her again. After that, they told her to get the fuck out of the van. They threw her clothes at her, kicked her out, and just drove off. 
So they didn't want to kill them? I don't know. They're just we like, we're going to leave this one alive because we, we like the thrill of maybe being caught. Maybe. I don't know if we ever get an explanation as to why they didn't kill her. Because, like, I don't want to spoil anything, but there's another victim that, that survives this. Right. But she was very clearly left for dead. Like, mm-hmm. they thought she was dead. Going to die. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But with this woman, they're just like, bye. Just like the one. I mean, like. One that survived with her fucking. Luckily for her, murder. you know, they decided we're not going to kill you. But I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking. Because, like, that's not their MO at all. Like, they're right. not leaving people alive on purpose. Right. And I don't think they ever really delve into <clears throat> why they left her alive. Like, I don't know. It just mm-hmm. so happened that this time around there. They were just like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're like, all right, bye. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, so yeah, they kick her out of the van. Um, she immediately goes to the police, as as one would do. As she's bleeding. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> bleeding from the tit. Um, I'm going to go to the police, not the hospital. Uh, I mean, damn, bitch. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. She's like, I'm going to go to the hospital, but I need to tell the police this when it's fresh in my mind. Um, she did say that one of the four men, so there are four men who kidnapped her, um, one of them specifically was watching her as she cut herself and he was like clearly, clearly aroused by it. And he was the one who, you know, <laughs> did the thing with the thing. <laughs> um, so yeah, he was very clearly sexually aroused by, he was watching her the entire time while it happened. <laughs> um, this man, after everything was said and done, he also took duct tape and duct taped her wound shut before he kicked her out of the van. Um, so she did go to the police. She was able to describe her attackers pretty clearly. Um, but again, no leads. Don't know how, because she described things to a T. I'd be like, are you guys fucking dumb or are you right? fucking stupid? Like- I know, I know. She could describe the van. Like, she could describe the faces specifically of, like, the main attacker who, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to keep saying the words, mm-hmm. but y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, yeah, but they nothing came from that. So... Again, <laughs> leads are going cold. They've got nothing. So the next woman to fall victim to the Ripper crew was Sandra Delaware. She was 18 years old. Mm-hmm. On August 28th, 1982, her body was found on the bank of the Chicago River. Um, she had been tortured just like the others, so she had similar wounds. Her hands were also bound behind her back. Um, she had been raped. And they actually found a broken wine bottle had been inserted inside of her. Um, like the others, her left breast had also been cut off. Why the left one? I don't know. I, it's always the left one. Maybe because it's... What side of your body is your heart on? Is it left? It's, it's kind of in the middle. I don't know. They say that it's on the left, but it's it's like in the middle. Maybe they want the tit closest to the heart. I don't know. Maybe they're left-handed. If you were left-handed, wouldn't you want to? Wouldn't but you maybe, cut off the right but one? But maybe if they're left-handed, they just want the left everything. You're left dominant, maybe, so you want the left one. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I just, I just made a connection to my noggin. Huh. I just made a connection to my noggin. Um. Oh, I don't know if I want to connect this because it's gonna spoil something. I'll, I'll come back to it later. I'll come back. Remind me to come back to it when I start talking about this. It'll come back. I swear, I'll come back to it. Um. So not only had her left breast been removed, um, she had been strangled with her own bra. It was wrapped. The absolute fucking nerve. Right. You take your bra off, you cut my tit off, and then you strangle me with my bra. Fuck you. I already fucking hate that thing. Right? This thing is already bad enough, and now you're murdering me with it? Get fucked. 
I'm never wearing a bra again. All right? I know. For my own safety. Fuck <laughs> yeah. Free the nipple, baby. <laughs> we're, we're, we're flying in the wind today, baby. <laughs> I'm never wearing a bra again. When somebody asks me why, that's why I'm done. That's why. I'd be like, y'all know the Chicago Ripper crew? No, look them up. I'd be like, mm, yeah, I'm not trying to get murdered by my own bra. Thanks. Nope. I'm okay. Mm, I don't think so. I think the fuck not. Nope. <laughs> we're going to be flapping in the wind today. <laughs> um. Oh, my God. Okay. So after Sandra Delaware, the next victim, her name was Rose Beck Davis. She was abducted on September 8th, 1982. She was 31 years old. Her body was found in an alley and she had suffered almost identical injuries to Sandra Delaware. So um, she had been tortured. She had been raped. She had on, I don't think her breast was removed, but there was like clear severe mutilation of her chest mm-hmm. like it was somebody had very clearly purposely like, fuck you and your tits cut her that way oh, fuck you and your tits <laughs> um her face had also been hacked with a hatchet oh no um she probably did something to like extra piss them off i don't know like, man. try to fight back or something maybe um and horrifically enough it was found that a lot of these wounds had been inflicted on <clears throat> anti-mortem if you don't know what that means, Aww. it means while well, she was still alive. So she <laughs> suffered through a lot of like Poor all girl. of this torture before before she she was killed. Um, there's a seemingly kind of like unrelated murder that the Ripper crew did. Mm. Like it was just kind of a random thing. Um, it was October 6, 1982. They shot a 28 year old named Rafael Torado. He was a local drug dealer. Um, they also shot his friend, 18-year-old Alberto Rosario. Um, they were just in a phone booth, and the Ripper crew just did a fucking drive-by. They were um, just like, hmm, let's try something different. Right, yeah. So, um, Alberto Rosario, he survived his injuries, but um, Rafael Torado, he did die from the shooting, and he was their only male victim. Mm-hmm. There's really no explanation as to why they did this. Like, maybe they were deciding to dip their toes in, like, a different... right. Era, I don't know. Oh, feature Bubby on the pod. Hello. Hello. <laughs> oh, he's walking away. <laughs> oh, we like the box. Oh, uh, for those for those of you wondering, Bubby is my cat. He's the star of the show over here. He likes world domination. You're <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck? We're, I'm not giving you any context to that. Just no. take it as it is. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, so random drive-by shooting they decided to do. Maybe they're like, we're going to do something different. Pew, pew, pew. And just did a <laughs> Not drive-by. Not the pew, pew, pew. Not the pew, pew, pew. <laughs> All right. So after um, Rafael Tirado and Alberto Rosario was the attack on the last victim of the Chicago Ripper crew. Now, her name is Beverly Washington, and Beverly Washington is a bad bitch. This is the other survivor. This is the other survivor. This is the big one. So, Beverly was 18 years old. Ooh, she was, so she's an extra bad bitch. Mm-hmm. She's a super bad bitch. She didn't fuck around. Um, she was also a sex worker. Mm-hmm. So, she was discovered in an alley. Um, They're fighting. <laughs> <laughs> They're punching each other. I've got so, my yeah. two cats be fighting on the ground. Brothers, man. You can't stand up. <laughs> they're both too. too they're, both, they're both too fat to fight standing up, so they fight laying down. <laughs> Yo, this like we're, like we're scurrying too far away from the point right now. Um, so back to Beverly Washington. So she was found in an alley. 
when she was discovered, she was very, very brutally injured, but somehow she was alive. Mm. She was found, um, her left breast had been cut off. The right one had been cut and very severely mutilated. When she was taken to the hospital, she was in such critical condition that she just couldn't speak. They had her on a ventilator. Um, but this bad bitch said, that's not going to stop me. Mm. And she spoke to, like, the police using hand signals. And she, like, wrote stuff down. She was like, I'm giving my statement however the fuck I can give my statement. Mm. So even though she was on a ventilator, she couldn't speak. She was mm. like, that not today, stop me. Satan. that's not going to stop me. Um, so she describes what happened to her. Um, she said she was kidnapped. She was pulled into a red van. She was handcuffed, and then she said her captors forced pills down her throat at gunpoint. <laughs> Don't know what the pills were. Probably something to make her unconscious, docile, unconscious, so she couldn't fight back. Um, she was then driven to a random house where she was taken inside a room. She was tied to a bed, and she was raped several times by the four men who had kidnapped her. She said that one of the men then took a length of piano wire... Mm -hmm. wrapped it around her left breast and tightened it until she just passed out from the pain. Um, She said when she woke up, she was in the hospital. So the last thing she remembers is the piano wire. And yeah, she passed out. Um, They probably thought she was dead. Mm -hmm. So they just took her. her, dumped her, exactly got rid of her, thought she was dead. But nope, she's a bad bitch. And she said, not today. Not today. Not today. So she wakes up, she's in the hospital, and she recounts this entire story to the police. She was able to give something that, like, not a lot of, I don't think that the, even the woman who survived earlier was able to give. She gave them tons of details specifically regarding this red van. So she said the van was an older model and that there was a wooden partition between, like, the back of the van and the two front seats. And she also said that there were two long blue and white feathers hanging from the um, rear view mirror. Mm-hmm. So she was able to give some like specific identifying things that like if you saw it in this van, you'd be like, that's the one. So Is she still alive? Um well this happened in I don't the know, 80s. what's that math? She this happened in eighty two. She was eighteen. She well, I mean I saw him tragic could have happened, but Yeah, I mean I don't know. I think I could I don't know. She's I don't know if she's still alive. Because in eighty Because like my mom was born in your mom was born yeah, in Yeah, I was 60, born in sixty one. Your mom was 19. 19. Yeah, I mean, she could absolutely still be alive. I mean, I don't know if she's in any sort of, like, public eye right now. Or Like, mm-hmm. honestly, if I was her, I'd be like, peace out. And I would just kind of, like, go live my life real mm-hmm. low-key somewhere <laughs> after having all of this happen mm-hmm. to me. Um, I don't know. I would assume she's probably still alive because she's only got to be, what, like, maybe in her, like, 60. early mid 60s early 60s I think she's like 60 80 yeah so i would think if she was, was still alive in 82 she'd be 60 i think yeah so she's probably still alive i'm i'm mm. going to i'm going to hope she's still alive well 40 so she'd be 458 well here i have a, i have a calculator yeah she'd be 58 58 mm. all right bet i hope she's still alive cuz she's a bad bitch and she deserves to live right so beverly if you're out there you're the one you the one. You, Hell yeah. You, you did it. You that bitch. <laughs> you, you that bitch. You that bitch. You that bitch. Um, <laughs> so, okay, after they took Beverly's statement, the police, um, they released an APB, an all-points bulletin. 
mm-hmm. on this red van, and they were able to provide the, or put on the APB, the new information that Beverly had provided. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of circling back. So remember that Lorraine's body wasn't found for, like, what, five months mm-hmm. after she was abducted? So her body was found on October 10th, 1982. So they find her body on after Beverly Washington had survived all of this. Mm-hmm. So... They did find her body, so she had, again, similar wounds to the other victims. Her body was found with her shirt raised, her bra was lowered, and the left breast was gone. Um, her autopsy showed that she had been stabbed in the chest and back multiple times with an ice pick. Oh. Yeah. Ugh. Eey, I got the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going to have nightmares. I know, right? I'm going to have a dream that I, like have an ice pick or something <laughs> you just it's just in your hand <laughs> have it's gonna be pick. super random and it's being like, very menacing <laughs> yes just have one i'm like this is why do i have oh, this? what's that quote from like spongebob it's like he's just standing there menacingly <laughs> <laughs> um anyway so 10 days after they discover lorraine's body um they the police they discover a van Matching the description that Beverly Washington had given them. It had the feathers. It had the wooden partition. Um, so you bet your ass the police pull this motherfucking van over. Mm-hmm. They're like, mm, that's the one. Hey, yo, homie. There it is right there. Hey, yo. Ooh, you yo. got feathers? Oh, oh. oh, you got a wooden partition? Bring that ass. Oh, that's a big red van? <laughs> We're pulling you over. <laughs> so they pull the van over, and the van is being driven by then 21-year-old Edward Spritzer. Mm. He was very clearly nervous mm-hmm. when he got pulled over. Uh, right away, he's like, this isn't my van. It's not my van. I was like, all right, motherfucker, then whose van is it? Literally. So that's pretty much what the police said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they go, all right, then whose van is it? Um, and he tells them that the van belongs to his boss. His boss is Robin Gett, mm-hmm. the carpenter that we mm-hmm. talked about who worked with John Casey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um so, I want to kind of get into a little bit now about how the Chicago Ripper group, how they all met each other. Mm-hmm. It's like, the, I find it crazy that these four men just happened to, like, how do you have that conversation with somebody? Hey, like, you do you like to murder people? Do you like to murder? Do you have a weird fetish with sticking your dick in fucking wounds? In wound holes? Do you want to cut some titties off with piano wire? Do you want to strangle people with their bras? Because I do too. Huh, look here. We else? should we should start a crew. <laughs> <laughs> we should start a crew. <laughs> you know anybody else that might happen to like these things? But yeah, like how do you how do you broach that in? Like if I ever came up to you and was like, yo, Autumn, I am thinking about murdering people. You down? I'd be like, are you for real? Or is this- <laughs> right, like I don't under I don't understand how that And then if you were like, I'm happens. serious, I'd be like yeah, I you guess like, I don't um, have a choice but to be on board because you're my best friend. But like, <laughs> Autumn's a ride or die. <laughs> but like, okay, if we no, get caught. Like, I really don't get it. And that happens like all the time. You see like serial killer partners that I kind of get it if it's like a husband and a wife right. or like siblings because you have that prior relationship. But like if you just meet somebody Random. like at, you're just at like, your job, you like at a bar. Murdery vibes. <laughs> you give me straight up serial killer vibes. Let's go fucking murder people together. And let's do this very specific thing. <laughs> Not only are you giving me murdery, you're giving me 
inappropriate. <laughs> Just straight up inappropriate. <laughs> nothing this is, nothing about this is appropriate. <laughs> nothing. Um, but, <laughs> so to, to answer the question, how the fuck do these people meet each other? Let's dive into it. Um, so Edward Spritzer, he was actually living at that Rip Van Winkle motel. He was working at a donut shop. And that is how he met Robin Gecht. So Robin Gecht so would come he in. he was working around holes all the time. <laughs> <laughs> He's only kind of thing. No. <laughs> so he people would, were probably getting dick donuts. <laughs> oh, fuck. That's not no cream filling. <laughs> so, like, PSA for anybody that went to that little donut shop while he worked there, he probably got a dick donut. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I couldn't find anywhere what this donut shop was called. Maybe Good Riddance. Maybe they like scrub their name from the media. Yeah. It's like, oh fuck, he stuck his dick in the donuts. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so Robin Gecht, he would come into the donut shop late at night because he would work pretty late. Then he would come around get a donut, whatever. Um, there was one night that Edward was working at the donut shop. Um, his car wouldn't start. Robin Geck just happened to be at the shop late at night, so Robin Geck offers Edward Spritzer a ride home. And on the ride, he was like, hey, <laughs> you want to murder people? By the way, <laughs> I have this weird thing. Do you got it too? Because, like, is this everybody? Yeah, but like, I'm just, like, feeling you out. Um, so, <laughs> on the ride home. if you say no, <laughs> it's not real. It's, it's just, it's just, um, I th- actually saw the TV show. Yeah, it's Last like, night. I'm thinking of, like, writing a book. <laughs> I just want to, like, you know, kind of, like, spitball this at you. I'd be like, oh, this is awkward. <laughs> so, um, he offers them a ride home. They get to talking. Um, Robin Gecht eventually offers Edward Spritzer a job. So, Edward Spritzer comes to work with Robin Gecht at his construction company. Um, and Spritzer does mention later, like, in, in the um, police interview that he considered committing these murders just, like, a part of working with Robin Gecht. You like, it was just part of the job description. Like, we, we built some houses, we put some flooring mm-hmm. in, we fixed a couple roofs, and we um, horrifically murder women. You know, after, you know, being a construction worker and being all murdery and shit, it makes me wonder, like, in the houses that they built or worked on, or at least were, like, taking walls or floors out of and putting them back on, were they putting bodies in there? You know what? Like, do these random You would think people? you would smell those bodies. But are they already decomposed? I don't know. Man. Did they wrap them so they didn't smell so that way they could get away with it? I don't know, because it's real hard to cover up. Like, every, like, time you, like, just read or, like, hear somebody referring to what, like, a decaying body smells like, it's like, it smells like nothing else. And there's no way to hide, like, if you have a decaying body, you're going to fucking smell it. Because there are plenty of cases where they hide, like, the, the one thing you were talking about where he... Oh, but John Wayne Gacy's house smelled like a motherfucker. Ooh. And his neighbors were complaining about it. And so I could, oh my god, I could get into, I could do four episodes about John Wayne Gacy. But he was, um, like, long story short, he was kind of a pillar in his community. But see what I'm saying? Like, he worked with John Wayne Gacy. John Wayne Gacy was putting bodies in the floors and the walls, and this motherfucker was a contractor, so he Bro. had to have bodies in somebody. Yo, Bro, that's whoever big brain. has a house. That's big brain. <laughs> whoever has a house. That <laughs> you better must- check your walls, man. <laughs> Literally, you better find some where you can see through the walls or something, because there's some, like an x-ray thingy. You better check. 
<laughs> you, you just just tear your house down. <laughs> For good measure, just tear your house down. There's probably bodies up in your walls. <laughs> they, oh those two had to have been connected somehow. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. Fuck it. There's no way two murdering people worked in the same Big place. Ring. Yeah, like, is that really just a coincidence? I don't know. I don't know. But, okay, basically, police get... Edward Spritzer into an interrogation room, and this motherfucker sings like a canary. He tells him everything. So it's not my van. It's not my van. Literally, what a bitch. <laughs> if you're Fuck gonna on. be a serial killer, you better have some fucking balls. Right, like you pussy. Fucking it's not my van, bitch. Um, I'd be like, and so what? after they interrogate him, Edward Spritzer, he leads the police straight to Robin Geck's house. In the fucked up thing, like out of all of this, like yeah, this man was fucked up. He had a wife. In three children. Of course he did. Three kids. They usually do. They usually do. And he was out here doing this shit. They usually do. Yeah. Like, how fucked is that? How fucked is that? I'd be like... I'd ask his wife, I'd be like, does he have a weird obsession with no, your no, left no. You know what? You know what? That I did read in one of the sources? His his wife, like, defended him. Oh, she's, she's not like, shit. He wouldn't she's do not, this. He wouldn't not. do... Yeah, so, um, fuck that bitch. Not this. She's not shit. What about his kids? Though, I mean... You find out that Robin, like, Robin Gecht is clearly not a good fucking person. Mm-hmm. Um, there but were... That's usually how it goes, though. They're, like, an over-saint to their wife and children. He wasn't, though. He was, I think he was abusing her. Uh, so, I think she was so afraid of him mm-hmm. that she wouldn't dare to speak a word against him. Because she was probably thinking, what if I say something? What if he doesn't go to prison? He's going to come back. He's going to murder me. He's going to... He's gonna and he slice my do, titty off and fuck he, the hole. And he. <laughs> uh, she probably would have got it worse than anybody else. Yeah, 100%. That was his wife and had his so, kids. Ugh. Well, my first had children, though. Like, he was. Dude, he, like, that's what's so fucked up about this is he, like, did not see anything wrong with what he was doing. Like, the, the fucking mental gymnastics he was doing to rationalize all this shit is absolutely insane. So, they, the police go to Robin Geck's house. They knock on his door. They say, surprise, motherfucker. Um, and he fits the description that Beverly Washington gave of him to a T. She described him so well. They're like, that's you, bitch. Mm-hmm. Um, you weird so- motherfucker. Bring that ass. <laughs> Bring, Bring that, that ass. Um, when they questioned Gecht, he said that he was home with his wife on the night of Beverly's attack. Um, the police, they got a search warrant for the van. <laughs> Yo, Yo the cats are acting the fuck up right now. Bird is like, bitch. Bird doesn't fuck with him. Carter, leave your sister alone. Why are you being a menace? Because that's just that's You just are beating everybody up. He's 16 pounds of menace. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, please search the van. Um, they, they saw everything was how Beverly described it. Like, um, the partition was there, the feathers were on the, the rear mirror, and one really fucked up thing that they noticed about this van is that the handles on the inside, they had been purposely modified so that the door could not be opened from the inside. So once you were in that van, you were, he's watching, you were just, you were trapped there. You couldn't get out of the back of that van unless somebody opened the door from the outside. Um, so, they didn't really have anything to hold Robin Gecht on at that point. Like, yeah, he looks super sus, and they have Edward Spritzer's claims against him, but at this point, like, they don't have anything, like, any concrete evidence to bring charges on him. Um, so he's released just back out into the world. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But, like, wasn't Beverly raped? She was. But if they don't... You can't... I don't know if they could force him to give a DNA sample without probable cause. And I don't know if he was ever, like, the system. But didn't she give a description to a T? She did, but, I mean... Is that not probable cause? Maybe. It was (laughs) enough for them to get a search warrant. I don't know, like, why they were... Yo, some some people with, like, law enforcement or, like, law background of some kind, let me know. (laughs) Let (laughs) us know. Like, hit us up on that one. Um, so they do, they do continue their investigation because they want to, they want to be able to, like, fucking throw everything but the kitchen sink at this guy. Mm-hmm. So, um, they continue their investigation and this is when they find out that both Robin and Edward Spritzer were often spotted at that Rip Ben Winkle motel mm-hmm. with two other men, typically. Mm-hmm. So we've got Robin Gack, we've got Edward Spritzer, now they're trying to find out who the fuck these other two guys are. So they go to the Rip Van Winkle Motel and they talk to one of the managers there. The manager tells them that they would typically book two rooms next to each other and throw parties is what this this manager described it. Quite um, a fucking party. <laughs> I know, right? Fuck, Jesus. Um, not a party I want to be invited to. No thanks. Yes, I'm no okay. Thanks. No, I, I think I'm going to sit this one out. <laughs> I'll pass. Um, it's funny because the manager of the motel actually said that he thought the men were part of a satanic cult. Bitch. And that, hold on to that. <laughs> hold on to that thought. Um, so what the police end up doing, so at this point, Beverly Washington, she's still in the hospital. So they can't bring her to the police station to Sorry, do a lineup, do right? Mm-hmm. So they bring the lineup to her. That's what I do too. Um, they Here. bring... Robin Gecht and a whole bunch of just stand-in men in, literally into her hospital room. And the second she sees Robin Gecht's face, she fucking... That one. Right, she's like, that motherfucker right there. She points him out immediately. She was clearly panicked from seeing him. Like, mm. um, As she should. And the second she identifies him positively, he's arrested for... They arrest him on charges of aggravated battery and deviant sexual assault. So no murder charge, nothing. They don't have any sort of at this point they don't have any sort of like There's additional no, like attempted murder charge. Yo, see, like that's what gets me so fucked up about the like I hate the case of like I mean the charge of attempted murder cuz you should just be charged with murder. You you're being rewarded with a lesser sentence cuz you didn't successfully murder someone. You right. still tried. But like you didn't you so you're not giving them a murder charge because she didn't die, but you can at least charge him Right now, with attempted murder, because he beat her so bad that she... He cut her titty off! Uh, he left her for dead in an alley. Yeah, so they arrest him, aggravated battery, and deviant sexual assault. So he was arrested, but he did make bond, so he's he's released pending his trial. Because his wife was like, now. not my husband! Not my fucking husband! He's, yeah, so... He's great! He's um, beat the fuck out of me! He's released on bond on... Um, this is when a, another sex worker who had known Robin Gecht and kind of interacted with him a few times, she had come forward and said that he had tried to attack her and assault her, like, on multiple occasions before. So, like, you said who did that? Just, uh, they don't name her, but she was another sex worker. Oh, okay. So, somebody that had, like, he'd sought out, clearly, for sex uh, and like other sexual Multiple times he tried to do it. Yeah, well, homegirl's got to hustle. She's got to make her money somehow. Uh, and but you yeah, didn't so, kill that one? I know. I don't understand how he chooses who he wants to kill, but... You're like, you, you're sent. <laughs> you smell good. You smell good. I don't want to murder you. <laughs> um, so, November 5th, Robin Gecht was rearrested, and they managed to, to keep him in jail this time. 
So with Robin Gecht in custody, the police go back to Edward Spritzer because we still got two men and we have to figure out who the fuck they are. Mm-hmm. Um, they interviewed him on November 7th and they interviewed him for hours and hours and hours and hours. And this motherfucker, he finally he broke after this longest interrogation and he just, he spilled everything. All the beans. Everything. All the beans. He was fumbling. And there All the was beans were falling out of his pocket, man. <laughs> So he gives um, place the names again. (laughs) (laughs) He he's the one who gives police the names of um, who is it? Thomas and Andrew Cocorella. So Mm. he he sings. He tells he tells everything. Um, In his interview, he does tell police that him, Robin Gecht, and the Cocorella brothers they were part of a satanic cult. Surprise, the fucking prize. So, this is going back to that point that I was going to make about mm-hmm. the left boob. Mm-hmm. So, like, in... So, are they, like, just, like, a sacrifice? So, <laughs> have you ever heard that, like, back in the day, like, especially in, like, um, Catholic schools, like, Christian schools, whatever, kids who were left-handed were forced mm-hmm. to be right-handed because like being left-handed was a sign of the devil. Mm-hmm. So, like, is that why they're cutting off the left breast? Mm-hmm. Because left is indicative of... But they were in a satanic cult. Yeah, so they were like, we love Satan. We love left. the left. Take the left. So I don't know. I don't know. I just had that thought in my brain. But nobody ever thought to ask them why the left one? Uh, maybe they, they probably asked, but they probably just didn't get a straight answer. So, oh, um, fucking damn it. yeah, he says they were in a cult and that all of the murders they committed served a ritualistic purpose. Um, mm, did they? He didn't specifically say that they actually worshipped Satan, but he did mention that, like, they did use a satanic Bible and all. And, like, can you really call that a Bible? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, I'm not a religious person in any sense. <laughs> I feel like that's like, like an oxymoron. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, police kind of theorize that maybe, like, the Corcoralis brothers and Edward Spritzer were actually kind of, like, worshipping Robin Gecht himself. Because these men were, like, fully, fully convinced that Robin Gecht had some sort of magical powers. Like, they <laughs> literally thought that he was, like, a fucking... So, everybody was delusional. Li- literally. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they thought that he had powers. They thought he was you know literally, what? like, gifted from, like, the devil himself. He had Robin, these men fucked up. Mr. Gecht there, homeboy, he probably had a real keen sense of picking out the weakest person in probably the Probably 110%. It was like, you he knew you, i can manipulate so like they might not have been cool with murder but but he made them cool he with made murder. them cool with murder because he probably had a really good sense oh, of picking out the weakest person in the room without absolutely even absolutely like there's no way that he would have been able to in like these fucking dudes they were like ride or die for robin Gecht. like mm-hmm. not not a single one of them actually said anything to suggest that Robin Gecht was the one who murdered someone. Like, he was there. They said he was there, but they never, ever, like, implicated him in the actual act of murdering any of these women. They were riding for his ass. Um, Man, fuck them. So, Edward Spritzer, he says that they would... They would abduct the women. They would either bring them back to the Rip Van Winkle Motel... Or, because remember, I think, was it Beverly Washington where they just, no, was she in the van? But one of the victims, I remember they had just, they just brought her to a random house and took her up to the room. 
Um, that was Robin Gack's house where he lived with his wife and his children. Uh, bruh. And, like, up in the attic, he had, like, on, like, a cult room. Where the he wife had, like, never a, got curious? Uh, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, when he wasn't home, you weren't curious to go see what the fuck is up she there? She was probably fucking scared shitless of this dude. So, he had, like, a whole, like, cult room up in scared the attic. Scared or not, I'm still curious and nosy. <laughs> what the fuck? She probably saw it and was like, oh, fuck, if I say anything, I'm next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... He said that they would abduct the women, they would stab them in whatever way. Um, Gekt would then remove the breast, often have sex with the wound. Um, and he spoke a little bit of like how this kind of all started and how he got involved with it. So he said that him and Robin Gekt were just kind of hanging out one night. And Gekt asked him if he wanted to go around and, quote, pick up some whores. Robin Gekt's words. So... He said that when they were, like, patrolling to find these women, um, Edward would, like, be in the... Was he in... I think he was driving, maybe? But he would basically signal to Edward Spritzer when he had found a woman that he wanted them to kidnap. So he would give the signal, and then together they would... um, Oh, no, you know what? Robin Gecht would be driving. He would pick up the woman, usually a sex worker, um, have her in the front seat of the car... Except the one that they fucking snatched on our way into. Well, this was this was like the early portion of it. This was before they ever kidnapped um, um, Lori. Mm-hmm. So he would get the woman in the front seat of the van while he was driving. He would give Edward Spritzer the signal, and then Edward would help him grab the woman and pull her into the back of the van because he was hidden in the back behind that like wooden partition that they had. Mm-hmm. So, um, so they were being fucking creeps. The very first woman, actually. Backtracking, homie, I said the wrong thing because the first woman they picked up was Linda Sutton, mm-hmm. the one that they found mm-hmm. in the field in the back of the Rip Van Winkle Motel. So she mm-hmm. was the very first victim. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is where he starts to describe the involvement of specifically right now Andrew Corcoralis, so the younger Corcoralis brother. He said that he was with Robin Gecht and Edward Spritzer, Andrew Corcoralis. They were all together the night they abducted Linda Sutton. So... He said that they snatched Linda, um, they pulled her into the van, she starts screaming, um, Andrew Cocorales punches her to try to get her to stop screaming, um, she keeps screaming, so Cocorales and Gap punch her even more until she finally stopped screaming. Mm. Um, they took her to the Rip Van Winkle Motel, they took her into the room, they gagged her, they handcuffed her, they tied her to the bed, and then all three men sexually assaulted her while she was tied to the bed. Um, she, or Edward, Edward Spritzer said that Gecht also raped her with a Coke bottle multiple times. Um, after they were finished doing what they were doing in the motel, they took her from the motel into the woods that was behind the motel. So... Spritzer said that Gecht was deeper in the woods with her. Um, he and Andrew Cocorales were kind of just hanging out like a little ways away. And she said that after they had been in the woods from five minutes, he heard Linda Sutton ask Robin Gecht, what are you doing to me? Why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. Um, Spritzer then heard Robin Gecht whistle. So he goes further into the woods where he found that Gecht had severed one of Linda Sutton's breasts and he was having sex with the wound and he said that her breast was just laying on the ground next to her in the grass. Um, after that, they leave Linda Sutton to die 
in uh, Edward Sprites are also mentions that Robin Gecht picked up her breast and took it with him. Ew. So. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Where are you keeping this? In a jar? <laughs> Do you have jars no, of boobs in your wait, attic? Just wait. Just is there, wait. Is there tit soup? <laughs> what? Do you remember one of the things that I mentioned as a trigger warning in the beginning of this? Cannibalism. There you go. I mm-hmm. am. Um, fucking tit soup. You're fucking giving it to <laughs> your kids. Not titty soup. Not titty soup. <laughs> His kids are probably like, mm, good So <laughs> the police start now diving into Andrew Corcoralis, trying to figure out who the fuck he is. They find out that Andrew Corcoralis and Robin Gecht knew each other because Andrew Corcoralis is a babysitter for Robin Gecht's kids. He was a living babysitter. Um, I hope he didn't have a daughter. Oh, God. I don't even know. I don't, I don't think I looked into the genders of his kids. But um, please bring Andrew Corcoralis in for questioning. Um, they show him a picture of Lori Borowski, the um, realtor office secretary that they mm. had kidnapped. And he, do- he doesn't even... He didn't even try. They show him a picture, and he goes, that's the girl Edward Spritzer and I killed in the cemetery. Flat out just says it. He do- doesn't even try to deny He's like, that's the girl we killed. Flat out. Just, like, he's proud of it. Um, so <laughs> there are, there was a few court documents that had some information on what Andrew Corcoralis said about Lori's murder. Um, he says, like, specifically quoted, he said, One morning during the spring of 1982, um, Spritzer and I were traveling in Gex van on Route 83 in Elmhurst. We entered a parking lot, saw Lori Borowski, and forced her into the van. We then drove to the cemetery where we both beat and stabbed her. And when Lori was dead, we dragged her body into the woods. Um, he then proceeded to implicate himself in 18 different murders. Don't know a whole lot of details about that. He just, everything he said suggested he had been involved in in the murders of 18 different women. But these were kind of hard to, basically impossible to, like, charge him for because they had no evidence. They had no bodies. They had, like, nothing to actually corroborate what he was saying besides him just being a fucking asshole. Like, you 18 women. So he was a piece of shit, but that's not a surprise. Um... He did corroborate Edward Spritzer's story, um, and he stated that, like, again, they would all have sex with the victim's multiple stab wounds. So all of these guys were fucked in the head. If, if we didn't, if that wasn't clear enough <laughs> from everything else that we talked about. It's giving fucked. It's, <laughs> it's, um, it's giving satanic. Um, it's giving mental it's illness. Giving not um, hot girl vibes. It's giving <laughs> not hot girl summer. <laughs> <laughs> it's giving jail boy. Life. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Andrew Corcoralis, he did provide some additional details of the first murder, Linda Sutton's murder. He said after they had raped her, Gact had taken a handmade hatchet from the back of his pants and he struck her in the chest three or four times. So oh. that's where like the the huge mutilation of her chest came from was from that hatchet that he mm-hmm. had. Um, he said that after he struck her with the hatchet, he returned to the van and he was just like covered in blood. The hatchet had blood on it. Um, and he said that after the murder, he and Robin Geck just left together to go back to Robin Geck's house and Edward Spritzer just drove himself home. Like nothing never happened. Like nothing even happened. They're like, we didn't just murder someone. I'm going to go see my wife and kids. 
and bring the babysitter with me that mm-hmm. I hired. That's also my fucking murder accomplice. All right. Imagine that. <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, yeah. So police now have three of their four men, right? They've got Robin mm-hmm. Gack. They've got Edward Spritzer. They have Andrew Cocorales. They're like, all right, who's number four? Who's this fourth motherfucker we're looking for? It's like, it's um, my brother. <laughs> yup. That's what they soon discover is that the fourth member of the Ripper crew was Thomas Corcoralis, Andrew Corcoralis' elder brother. Um, they bring Thomas in for questioning, and he also very soon implicated himself in all of the murders. He confirmed both Spritzer's and his brother's stories. He also stated that Gact was, like, obsessed with removing the women's breasts and had completely convinced him and Spritzer and the other Corcoralis that he had magical powers. <laughs> they were convinced that he was, like, some sort Imagine of Imagine being basically. their parents, like, damn, both my kids? Both? <laughs> right? Both? Like, who the fuck did I raise? <laughs> like, both, both of my sons are murdery fuck. Fuck, you can't go, yo, yo, there's, like, those families that they have, like, like all their kids are, like, famous actors or, like, mm. professional athletes. Mm. And the Corcoralis family gets two fucking murderers. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, fuck. But, I would be changing I mean, my last name. what are the chances name? that one of them is? But what but are both the of chances? Them. Both? But you're telling and me not both just fuckers? murderers, but, like, this kind of shit. Mm-hmm. Fuck that. Dude. I'd be like, those aren't my kids. <laughs> those are not my kids. Like I said, I'd be changing my name and I'd be moving the fuck out of that state. Mm. I'm moving in the country. You won't catch me. Dead. Bye. <laughs> so, nah. Um, I'm not coming to the courtroom. I do not support <laughs> you. I don't know. I don't even know who you are. So, um, Thomas Corcoralis, he does also corroborate that they would all rape, torture, and murder these women together. Um, every single one of them said that they couldn't remember exactly how many victims they had, but... It was estimated based on their their different um, stories and the stories corroborating each other. That's where that number of between 16 and 18 comes from. Mm-hmm. But again, they don't have bodies for all of them. They don't have any additional evidence. All they have is like the ones that we talked about. So mm-hmm. they all stated that they were part of a satanic cult. Um, they would kidnap women off the street. They would take them back to either the motel or to Robin Geck's house while his wife was at work. Don't know where the fuck the kids were, because their babysitter was off murdering with their dad. <laughs> Don't know where the fucking kids are. Maybe they're in school. Who knows? <laughs> um, so I mentioned that Gact had transformed his attic into like a cult room, uh-huh. where they would then proceed to sacrifice their victims. Oh, um, so each instance... Like, what does he do? Put out a fucking newspaper ad? <laughs> like... <laughs> seeking, seeking satanic cult members. <laughs> Come sacrifice Seeking... Me. Murdery friends. <laughs> Seeking someone to murder women with. <laughs> <laughs> Must be able to babysit my children. <laughs> Must be able to babysit my children and also um, murder women with me. <laughs> Criteria? No soul. <laughs> be an absolute fucking trash bag of a human being. Mm. No conscience. Mm-hmm. Plus if you're a psychopath. Mm. A plus plus. Yeah. <laughs> So each each of these instances of these sacrifices would result in everybody um, torturing and raping the women. And a lot of the time, it was um, Edward Spritzer or the Cocorales brothers who were actually doing a lot of the torturing while mm-hmm. Robin Gecht would watch or and or walk around with the Satanic Bible reading passages. Oh, I thought you were going to say, walk around with boob. Walk around with the tit in his hand. 
<laughs> um, no, he would basically just walk around because there was a bed up in the attic that they would tie the women to <laughs> or the bed in the motel. So this was happening. Where were the kids and the mom? That's well, they said it was when his wife was at work and I don't know where the fuck the kids were. School? Um, maybe, but so. Yeah. So they were abducting people in the middle of the fucking day. No, Dude, I don't know. Saw. Clearly, clearly, though, they were because they abducted Lori Borowski in the morning. Mm-hmm. People are stupid. They saw the van. Like, people saw this red van. And also, how fucking... If you're gonna go around... Not that I want... Like, thank God they were this fucking conspicuous about it, but a red van. But also, all the like, cars you're gonna drive. For everyone... For everyone that was around in the 80s while this was happening, and you just don't pay attention to shit, you're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> how do you at, miss somebody get abducted the in the fucking daytime? of Chicago, Illinois in the 80s. <laughs> what the fuck? You're stupid. If in your in your late fifties or you know just were around and alive in the eighties, oh in there and you you know didn't notice somebody get stolen in the middle of the day. <laughs> somebody just gets stolen. Because I'm sure there were some screams accompanied with <laughs> accompanied with that, and you just blame. So the eighties were just mind my business. Two thousand. That's what that was. <laughs> you know, there- their mind my business game was on ten thousand. <laughs> that was not. They were like, no, you're not involving me in that. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh God. All right. So, as I was talking about, Robin Geck to be walking around. <coughs> oh my God, I'm gonna cough now because I was laughing too hard. But he would be walking around, um, reading passages out of the Satanic Bible, and then they said the crescendo of the ritual would be the removal of the woman's breast. Um. Just a weird, a weird factoid about Robin Gact, like, when he was later interviewed, um, he said that, like, a lot of the men in his family had, like, a fetish for large breasts. Like, it it went beyond just, like, being, like, boob men. Like, Mm -hmm. they had, like, a fetish. It was, like, a paraphilia, like, an obsession with women's breasts. So... And I have a, an obsession with punching men like that. <laughs> and I have an obsession or a fetish with stabbing men like you. So. Sorry, it just runs in my family. <laughs> Sorry, Tourette's. Um, so, <laughs> they also stated that after they cut the breast off, they would proceed to have sex with the wound. Um, then they would all masturbate into the breast, cut it up into pieces, and eat it. So you're telling me not only did you eat a human flesh tit, you spermed all over it. You ate each other's sperm and the tit. You spermed all over it. <laughs> Y'all are fucking nasty. And they just chopped it into little bitty bite-sized pieces. What is that, tenderize it or something? Maybe they're seasoning it. That's fucking disgusting. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's what they would do with, with the breasts after the breasts were removed. That's um, terrible. There, just another side note, kind of going more background information to Robin Gack, because he is the ringleader of all of this. He was, um, before he was married to the wife that he was living in, in the house where all this is happening with, um, he did, he was previously married. Um, there was another ex-girlfriend, too, of his that stated he would always demand for her to, like, cut off her nipple when they were having sex. And he would constantly say that if she wouldn't do it, that he would do it for her. Um, so did she cut off her nipple? No. They broke up. And they, he just left could her you, alone? They broke, I guess. Could you imagine, though, like, somebody asks you why your last relationship ended and you have to tell them it's because you wouldn't cut off your nipple for your boyfriend? <laughs> 
<laughs> like, yeah, I had this weird thing where you wanted me to cut my nipple off, and I wouldn't do it, so that's why I broke up. <laughs> You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, thank God you fucking ran. Oh what the God. hell? Um, and then this is just kind of alleged, but um, it was reported that Gek's ex-wife um, actually had a very large scar on her chest from where he had previously attempted to cut her, cut her in the same way that he that's cut funny. the victims. Um, so, like I mentioned before, none of the others would actually implicate Robin Gecht in any of, like, the act of the murders. They clearly said he was there, mm. um, that he was involved, that, you know, you jerk off and do the titty and eat it with them. Ew. But none of them said that he actually had a hand in physically murdering these victims. Um, I kind of think it was because they were afraid of him, or they thought that he had some kind of actual power they were like Satan's gonna come get me that's probably what they thought or like he's gonna escape prison with his magical demon powers and come fucking murk me (laughs) Um, god forbid I get murked after murking all those fucking people oh my god seriously it'd be fucking karma um but I mean it didn't really matter that they wouldn't point the finger at Robin Gecht because they had Beverly Washington and they had her absolute positive ID of Robin Gecht so she was like, you motherfucker. It was you, bitch. It was motherfucking you. So um, all four of them were arrested and they were put on trial for these crimes. So only five deaths were officially attributed to the Chicago Ripper crew. Those were all the ones that we talked about, which is why I was able to delve a little bit deeper in those because we don't have any information about anything else, just those five. Um, police do believe that the number was in that 16 to 18 range, which mm. is why it's in here. Um because they went after sex workers, that's kind of why, like, the... Mm. The number could be, Yeah, like, that the number... Exactly, because they, they really have no way of knowing. Mm. Um, so, Gecht, he maintained his innocence throughout this entire thing. He never once spoke to being involved in any of this. Um, he was actually never tried for any of the murders. They stated lack of evidence. <laughs> What he was tried for was attempted murder, aggravated kidnapping, um, deviant sexual assault, and rape for the non-fatal rape and assault of Beverly Washington. So her attack was the only one that he was put on trial for. Um, In 1983, he was found guilty, and he was sentenced to 120 years in prison. Good bitch. Um... Before sentencing, the judge that sentenced him was Judge um, Francis J. Mann. He told him, quote, only a devil would do these things. An animal would not do these things. A monster would. So he was like, fuck you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In a Bye very bitch. eloquent way, he basically said, you're fucked. Mm-hmm. Um, he pointed out that Gecht had left Beverly Washington for dead, and he was lucky to not be on trial for murder because Beverly mm-hmm. Washington survived. Mm-hmm. Um, Gact, he is now serving his sentence at Menard Correctional Center. Um, He's he, still alive. He is still alive. And he is, wait for it, projected to be up for parole October 10th, 2042. Should he live long enough to see it, he would be 88 years old when he is released from prison. So he could get out. He could live like the last couple years of his life out outside. of jail. Mm-hmm. Out of prison. Yep. Yeah. That's fucked. So. On to Edward Spritzer. Um, in 1984, um, in a bid for leniency, he did plead guilty to murder in the deaths of Schweimach, Rose Davis, Sandra Delaware, and Rafael Torado, that random drive-by shooting. Mm-hmm. 
um, as well as attempted murder, aggravated kidnapping, deviant sexual assault, and rape. And he was sentenced to life in prison without parole. Okay. In 1986, he was convicted of murder and aggravated kidnapping and the death of Linda Sutton. And the prosecution sought a death sentence on this one. Um, during the sentencing phase, Spritzer's attorney, who was named Carol Anfinson, she argued that he was, quote, immature, impulsive, and simplistic, and was following the order of Robin Gecht because he was the gang's leader. Uh, she described Spritzer as a lonely person who would, quote, do almost anything to please his friend Robin Gecht. The so pros- therefore, he should stay in prison. <laughs> exactly, right? Like, if he's this easily influenced to do something this horrendous, like, what else is he going to be easily influenced to do? That's not a very good defense, man. No. Like, fucking thankfully. <laughs> um, so, the prosecution, on the other hand, describes Spritzer as, quote, every woman's nightmare, mm-hmm. calling the gang, quote, cowardly weasels mm-hmm. who roamed in packs to prey on women. Mm-hmm. Um... Spritzer, at the end of this trial, he was sentenced to death. Uh, But in 2003, his sentence was commuted to life in prison without parole after the Illinois governor, George H. Ryan, commuted the sentences of everyone on death row. They basically got rid of the 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 death death sentence. So he was commuted to life in prison without the possibility of parole. So he's never getting out. Um, So these, the three that we've already talked about. We've talked about three, right? uh, We talked about... Gacked and Spritzer. We still got the so Corporales they're brothers. both still alive and in prison? Yes. As of right now. Yep. Are they in prison together? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, so, moving on to Andrew Corporales, the younger brother. He was convicted in 1985 of murder, aggravated kidnapping, and rape in the death of Rose Davis. The prosecution sought a death sentence for him as well. During the sentencing phase, Andrew's attorney said that his client had been, quote, a follower, not an organizer, not the prime mover in Rose Davis's murder. The jury spared Andrew's life after deliberating for 90 minutes, and he was sentenced to life in prison without parole. On March 18, 1987, Andrew was convicted of murder and aggravated kidnapping in the death of Lorraine Borowski. He was sentenced to death on April 30th, 1987. He was executed by lethal injection on March 17th, 1999. So he's dead. He's dead, but they were a long time. Um, He declined a last meal, and his last words were, quote, To the Borowski family, I am truly sorry for your loss. I mean this sincerely. He then cited verses from the biblical books of Exodus and Proverbs and added, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Bitch, you're not going nowhere. Yeah, motherfucker, you think that. you're getting into heaven? You gonna go me say Satan, You bitch. can't say sorry. He'd probably be happy if you met Satan because you're gonna fucking satanic cult. But he was probably, oh, I'm born again. But yeah, yeah. motherfucker, you're going straight. Born again because you were in prison. You probably got your ass beat a few times. Bro, I fucking hope so. Um, so lastly, we have Thomas Corcoralis. So he was convicted of murder and rape in the death of Lorraine Borowski. As a reward for his detailed confession, he was sentenced to life in prison without parole. So they didn't seek death sentence for him. Um, He actually was able to appeal his sentence. And on appeal, the rape conviction was reversed. And he ran or he won a new trial on his murder conviction. So rather than face a retrial, um, he pleaded guilty to Lori Browski's murder in exchange for a 70 year sentence. Uh, Charges in the murder of Linda Sutton were dismissed as a part of this plea agreement. He was scheduled, he was up for parole on September 30th, 2017. 
He was denied release after he failed to find an approved place to live. He was then released from prison on March 29th, 2019. As of June 30th, 2019, Thomas Corcoralis lives at Wayside Cross Ministries at 215 East New York Street in Aurora, Illinois. You're dead. And, and to finish this off, he has done a TV interview where he said, quote, everybody thinks I'm a monster. I'm not a monster. So he's out. Bitch. He's out. Get Bitch. prison, Spritzer prison, Andrew Corcoralis dead, Thomas Corcoralis is out. And that's the Chicago Ripper crew. Somebody. <laughs> I'm not saying. We're that. not suggesting that somebody find. He lives at. It'd be a shame if somebody went to 215 East New York Street in Aurora, Illinois, the Wayside Cross Ministries, and just happened to stumble upon Thomas Corcoralis. And, and what you do. to run him down with the car. <laughs> what you do with that information. Is up to you. Because I'm. Not telling you to do that. <laughs> We're not suggesting anything. And I'm not telling you not to do that. But also, like, here's the information. Just do with it as you please. As you, you, we're not telling you anything. We're just, we're throwing that information out into the world. You can do with it whatever you want. But yeah, that's the Chicago Ripper crew. Wow, that's fucking nuts. I know, right? <laughs> I can't believe the last one is out of prison. I know. I feel like so that fast. is the most... Surprising thing of this whole thing. Right, that one of them got out. Because, I mean, like, this is not saying, but he was like, if, if we're... If not we're fucking, even 40 years later, if you got out. If we're splitting hairs here, he was the least involved, but they fucked up. You they, were still involved. They, they completely just nixed any charges they were gonna they were going to do for Linda Sutton's murder. Because he took a plea deal. And a part of his plea was he was going to plead guilty. And on... Um, I believe in the um, in the correctional facility he was at, they had a system where you could earn, like, points for good behavior. <laughs> and if you accrued so many points, it was like you could get time knocked off your sentence. I so he, like-, like, came up for parole very early. And, like, the first time he was denied, he was just denied because he couldn't find a place to live. Like, they were going to let him out earlier. I feel like maybe they shouldn't allow serial killers to have this little point system. Yeah, maybe. Maybe something like, for, I don't like... Give a fuck if you're the most well-behaved serial killer on the goddamn planet. If you could do something like this, there's no... Maybe and the for, like, the lesser of the crimes? He clearly like, stealing has, or, he like... He clearly has no remorse, either, because he had the fucking balls to go on a TV interview and be like, I'm not a, everybody thinks I'm a monster. I'm not a monster. Yes, the fuck you are. Bitch, you helped murder a bunch of women. <laughs> and not just murder them, horrifically rape, torture, and mutilate them. You stuck your dick in a cut. In a cut. You jerked off into a titty and you ate it. After you cut the titty off the woman. Bitch. I don't want to hear it. I literally have, like, I don't feel bad for you. No. no. At all. I don't feel bad at all. Like, these God bless the world the day that you die. Right? I know. <laughs> fucking, I will piss on your grave. <laughs> fucking asshole. <laughs> All right. This episode is probably already long, but... I think we've been ahead. doing this for like an hour now. Oh, probably. <laughs> um, well, if you made it to this point, thank you. Mm-hmm. We yeah. love you. It's been a fun time. It's been a great time. Uh, if you want to follow my Instagram where I post coming soon posts, also additional pictures related to the cases I cover, it is at TSRH Podcast. On Instagram. Um, go follow that bitch. Go follow me. Hey, hey, hey. Um, I have a Gmail. 
you want to email me for anything, tsrpodcast at gmail.com. You're like, you're like, hey, bitch, I don't know if you know this case, oh, you know the- <laughs> but like, here's one. Right. Oh, yeah. Give me case suggestions. I don't care how fucked up it is. Y'all clearly know I've covered cannibalism and covered child murders. I covered this she, shit. She prefers the more fucked up, the better. <laughs> the more fucked up it is, the better. <laughs> this podcast is called This Shit Really Happened, okay? We're, we're not shying away from anything. No, clearly. Um, but yeah, that we just true. talked about titties being fucking fucked. We went there. So we really went there. Um. Well, you got anything else to say to the peeps before we cut this thing down? Nope. All right. Well, thanks for being here. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening it was to the story. A great time. Let me know if you want to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, anybody who is currently listening, and I will see you eventually, probably in another three months on the next one. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a little busy around here. Yeah, it'd be a little busy. <laughs> Anyways, thank you for listening. Catch you on the next one. Uh, bye.